how do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley. I have a very special guest with me on today. I have Nick Bonfilio. He's currently the CEO of Syncery, which basically got Series A funding in May of last year for $17 million. He was the former CTO at Lucasfilm during Star Wars. He was also the EVP of Global Product for Marketo, which took them from $2.5 million to $300 million in ARR and eventually sold to a PE firm. Nick, welcome, man. Happy to have you on the show. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me, and happy uh, post-New Year. Yeah, yeah. Happy post-New Year, man. And uh, I, I, I gave Nick a little, 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 little jab about this, but he's got the Steve Jobs look going with the, the black, the black shirt, looking sharp, man. I so, always wear black. Most introverts do. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, man. So, so let's talk through. Let's give everybody just kind of a quick run revenue rundown to start the episode, so they have a little context on where you're at. So, where are you guys at in your revenue journey? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, two and a half years ago, we were slides. And uh, in about that time, we became uh, a product and Series A viable in, in May of last year. And uh, we're well north of that at this point and working towards our Series B. That's awesome. All right. What about your go-to-market strategy? What's what's your, your lead go-to-market strategy? Yeah, I mean, when we started the company, Ryan, we, we, we really were trying to figure out how to carve out a piece because, you know, the, what we're building can be so broad and horizontal that it's just you can't, you know, go to market that way. And so we carved off a slice of what we think was relevant about what we were building, uh, which we called customer data at the time. And so we started thinking about how do we, you know, the biggest problems in companies with data right now tends to be around customers and revenue and things like that. And so everything that we connect to and everything that we unify and, and um, bring bring to life for people, it revolves around customer data. When you think about who is responsible for customer data in a lot of businesses, uh, now primarily because us being a no-code platform, we're really trying to move people away from heavy IT tools and more into business leading and, and business-owned tools. And so uh, Syncery is definitely a no-code platform. And what we discovered is that there was this emergence of revenue operations that care deeply about the state of their data inside of the organization in order to get to uh, better outcomes. And so, honestly, our ICP continues for this year, last year, and this year to be uh, what we call RevOps, which loosely can include sales operations, marketing operations, success operations, finance operations, biz ops, those sorts of folks that revolve around the revenue operations of data. Yeah, and that's so critical. And I've seen just an explosion in interest in RevOps alone over the past year and a half. So I, I'm excited about what you guys are doing and where you're going. And there's a massive need for it. Um, how big is your team, Nick? I mean, <laughs> it's now 35. We'll be 50 by the end of this year. But uh, it's still, you know, it's still small. But um but every day gets bigger, and and you know we're doing well considering how hard it is to recruit in this market, and the fact that we tend to look for, as everyone else does, for you know super stellar A players. Um, it's one thing to fill a position; it's one thing to make that position be filled with something that's meaningful or someone that is meaningful to move the needle forward. And that's kind of how we think about that. Yeah, totally. I mean, that makes sense. 
Um, what, and I know you're funded right now. We talked about that. You're in the, kind of the Series A stage. So, so let's kind of shift gears a little bit. So that's a great background context about kind of where you guys are at, what you're doing. So, like, what's your journey to get here? Like, you know, I, I mentioned in the intro, you know, you were the CTO for Lucas Films for a while. That's amazing. And then, you know, Marketo as well. So can you just give like your professional journey and how you got to this point? Hmm. I mean, look, I've, I've been Silicon Valley uh, SaaS, com- you know, oriented for my entire career, which is you know, roughly going on 30 plus years. And that it's funny you mentioned the Lucasfilm one because it's probably the least um, relevant to what I mostly did in my career. It's just you know, I went off to do that and it wasn't, it was really more of a chief tech role. It wasn't the CTO role per se at Lucasfilm, but, um, you can think of it that way. Um, and I discovered that, you know, Hey, I, I like software and startups more than I like, you know, the film industry or, 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 or those kinds of things. So, you know, it was a great experience, but look, I've done SaaS companies, uh, you know, Collabnet, Marketo, um, uh, Portera, a few others early on before it was even called SaaS uh, back in the uh, when people were trying to call it ASP and other things of that nature. Um, but yeah, I mean, Marketo was probably the um, biggest um, uh, success uh, as well as growth for me in that going from two and a half million to 300 million, you don't get that opportunity a lot and uh you learn so much and i happen to we happen to have a ceo at at, at marketo who's tough right but but the reality is he's super brilliant too and and the way he approached uh growing his business i think marketo started a lot of other companies and a lot of them have been successful because the learnings that you got there in cutting your teeth and that size of a growth and you know again i credit Phil Fernandez, who's a CEO there for a lot of what we did. Um, and that allowed me to start a company, uh, you know, we, we, you know, Marketo went public, was purchased by a private equity firm called Vista. And around that time, I decided I want to go back to doing uh, a startup and started a company called Aptrinsic. Um, that mm-hmm. company was pioneering product-led go-to-market before Anyone knew what product like go to market was and uh, wrote a book on it um, with my co-founder there and, you know, and, and, and Mick Pono, who was uh, also instrumental in, in that. And, um, you know, what we discovered is that that market grows at a certain pace and uh, it made more sense for it to be aligned with people that already sell into SaaS companies. And we sold that to Nick Meta Gainsight um, in 2016, I believe, or sorry, 18. And then I was sort of done, retired, moved to Scottsdale, um, to our vacation home in Scottsdale, uh, relocated here permanently about a year later and, um, you know, got into horse horsemanship and we have four horses and uh, was doing all of that. I'm not a golfer or anything like that. I mean, you would never <laughs> catch me doing those things. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, look, uh, that career through Marketo, through Aptrinsic, and then one morning, you know, I sort of woke up and had lunch with somebody that I know, and um, they were talking about the state of data in their business. And I was like, wait, how could this still be a problem in 2019? You know, this has been solved, right? There's iPaaS, there's RPA, there's all these things. And, you know, when I started deep diving into 
the state of the art of these 15 year old platforms, you know, they're, they're still approaching it from a connection perspective, uh, mm-hmm. Ryan. And so what we, what we saw was that, look, there's a data element to this, that being data led inside of these integrations that moves you from integrations to interoperability. Fast forward, um, called my, uh, Good friend, and uh, he was chief architect at Marketo, uh, and my co-founder here, CTO um, as well, uh, Nila Shastri, and said, hey, I got this idea. I wrote, you know, here's what I'm thinking. Here's kind of the architecture I'm thinking. What do you think? And, you know, 30 days later, uh, he didn't, I didn't hear from him for 30 days. And 30 days later, he calls. He goes, Nick, I've been researching this for 30 days. <laughs> and he goes, no one is doing what you want to do in this. And, uh, and I said, yeah, but can we build it? He goes, I think so. <laughs> and so, cause it's a really, really super hard problem to solve and yeah. um, the ability to build stateful in, uh, connections to uh, SaaS APIs and make them transactional and sort of moving people from integration, you know, mindset to interoperability mindset across their tech stack is what we're, we really are doing here. And um, yeah, uh, I put some slides together. I tried to get in a list to be the CEO of the company and he said, I'm not doing it without you. And, Fast forward, here I am. <laughs> wow. All right. So there's a lot to unpack there, man. Awesome story. <laughs> awesome journey. I mean, like, and, and the horse thing. I didn't know that about you. I know we, we chatted a couple times before. Like, my wife just started taking horseback riding lessons last year. Ah. And she's learning to do it. It was a big, big moment yesterday because she she learned how to canter on the horses for the, on the horse for the first time. So, um so anyways, that's really, really cool. I love horses. They're beautiful animals and, and um, I'm a big animal nut myself, but uh, not to get on, not get off topic on that. But so here I, I'm going to, so I'm going to go back in your journey a little bit. We're going to hit, cause you, like I said, there's a lot of really cool things you did. I'd love to dig into. Um, so what, what was it like working for George Lucas? I mean, you know, you got to, you get to meet him a few times, um, but he's, it's, um, I would say that working at Lucasfilm is for a certain type of individual, um, is the way I would say it. And I had a good time and we, we did a lot there and, you know, um, but I would just say it wasn't for me, um, is the way I would answer that. So it was great. I mean, you go to the ranch and it's like, you get to meet some stars, you, you, you know, he has a beautiful facility Well, he had until he sold it to Disney, but a beautiful facility at, at the ranch and had restaurants in there and, um, you know, so from that perspective, it was always super great. Um, but, you know, it's also, I mean, I guess the best way to say it is the tech folks aren't really the stars of the show, right? Um, if that right, makes sense. yeah. Whereas a SaaS startup, I imagine you guys are, are the, yeah. the stars yeah, the of the show, guys right? are the stars so, of the show. <laughs> no, that, I, I get that. that. I mean, that totally makes sense. So what about, let's, let's fast forward a little bit. So like Marketo, you know, from 2 million to 300 million plus. Yeah. And you mentioned there's a lot of amazing people that came out of there to start different companies and, and you were had a product there for, for that. Was it the entire run that you were head of product? No, actually time? it was just the last uh, four years. Uh, I was the head of global product, which included operations, engineering, product management, support, a few other things. But the first three years uh, at Marketo, I was there to, you know, to rebuild their SaaS business. Essentially they they didn't know how to build and manage and operate uh, an at scale SaaS infrastructure. And so my team and I, with some great people, got that under control. And then fast forward, Phil asked me to take over the entire product org. And um, 
that's how I got there. So let, let me ask you this. Cause like, obviously there's, there's success in the patterns that happen and, you know, like you had, you had the, the job at, at Lucasfilm, right. And then you kind of went in and ha- I'm sure you had a lot of other jobs in between. Right. But Marketo, you were there from that, that run of, you know, 2.5 million to 300 million plus. And then, you know, you sold a company and then you started another company. So let's talk about Marketo. Like, what do you need to believe to be a part of a rocket ship that grows from, you know, 2 million to 300 million and then get promoted along the way to be one of the top leaders in the company? Like, what do you have to believe? And like, what kind of identity do you have to step into to like, just evolve? You know, I've, I've never had that question, right? It's an interesting question. Um, you know, to be at a company like Marketo when we were going through that growth is not for the faint of heart. So um, I would say it takes insane tenacity and, um, and discipline to your North Star, your own personal North Star. For, I mean, obviously the company has a North Star, but right, right, your right, own right. personal North Star. Um, and it for me became a, um, mm, I can do this. Like it, it literally Marketo would make you feel, and a lot of people would, would probably relate to this, that, that went through this, that I feel like a failure. And, um, and the reason that happens is because it was going so fast and feels insanely um, detail oriented and can operate in almost any team. Um, mm-hmm he challenges you to step up or step out is the best way to think of it. And a few people stepped up um, and a lot of people stepped out uh, during that time. And um, I would just say tenacity and just your sheer will of wanting to do it. We were also, and as, as Syncery is and, and today, insanely customer focused. I would say that it went beyond like just saying the words Everything that we do at Syncrene, everything we did at Marketo revolved around the success of the customer, including your engineer. Like, I'll give you an example. If a customer is having an issue with a product or needs a feature to be successful and that impacts your roadmap, we do that here at Syncrene. We did it at Marketo all day long because, you know, you have to innovate, but you also have to make the customer successful in the process. Now, we did a couple things wrong in Marketo at, at the end there with success, but I don't want to get into those that we, we fixed here, I think. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this insane focus on the customer success has to be, has to permeate every SaaS company. Who cares if you got the best tech? If your customers aren't happy or aren't using it, it's not stabilizing at a rate that makes you valuable to them, you're not going to succeed, right? Well, what, and, and and I think that's awesome that, that you have that approach and that you took that with you to Syncery. But <clears throat> let me ask you this. So what's the number one thing you need to focus on to deliver customer success when you're going through that process with a SaaS product? Yeah, I mean, at Syncery, I made sure that support and success are only about the health and success of the customer. There's nobody in success that tries to talk about renewals or any kind of upsell or cross-sell or anything like that. And I think confusing your success with a renewals team is probably the thing that can turn off customers pretty quickly. And so um, our head of success, Donna, she and her team, um, their whole job is just to make the customer successful. 
And it's our sales organization that is going to continue to hold the renewals and um, you know, eventually they'll be right now it's it's split between the current AEs, but at some point there'll be a dedicated renewals person, but still in sales because you just don't want to confuse your customer like when Donna calls them that they're calling for a renewal or an upsell, right? Um, right. And that they're calling to help them out with their problems. Okay. That's I mean, that's good. And I've seen both sides of the fence on that kind of debate. <laughs> it's like, do you mix it? Do you not mix it? I've never seen an organization that I've worked with that's been only customer success. So I think that's pretty cool that you've done it. They've always had some kind of element of renewal or so how do you measure customer success then? Like what are your leading and lagging indicators that you use to like measure like how successful your customers are being? It's the same thing. I mean, it's just, it's a company, the company owns those metrics more than one person or one team, right? You have churn, you've got NDR, you've got uh, growth, upsell, et cetera. And the growth and NDR get tracked in sales and the churns get tracked in, in, in success. The, the churns mostly times happen when it's not an acquisition or a company going out of business because you did not help that customer. Right. And mm-hmm. so I kind of like put churns on Donna, but I put the growth NDR upsell numbers in, in, in on the sales side, if that makes sense. And I could be okay. making a mistake, but for this size that we're at right now, I think it's the right way to, to build a company. Yeah. And it, well, and it's, it's, I mean, you'll figure it out. Obviously yeah. you, you, you'll figure it out. Um, okay. So, so first world problem to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. You'll figure it out, man. You're doing pretty good. So I got a lot of confidence in you. Um, so, okay. So let, let's fast forward, you know, then Marketo, you left that, you did the Aptrinsic thing. How, how big was Aptrinsic when you sold it? <sighs> Uh, in as far as employees or revenue or what? Just revenue, just yeah, revenue. We we never announced that, but well, you uh, never announced it. Okay, no, but you know, it was a Series A company. Just leave it at you're, that. You're like the yeah, you know, I I love it. Yeah, most companies are like I sold for this much, I did this, so it's cool, man. You're you're a little stealthy, which is which is respectable on that. But I um, mean, I, I don't own the company anymore. You know, Nick so does. You don't want to I, would, yeah. I wouldn't want to you know um, disrespect his wishes. Yeah. Well, then, then let's just talk in terms of um, how, how did you get to the point where you're like, so you, you went on that rocket ship, you persevered, you found a way, had great leadership that you were a part of, um, became one of the top members of the leadership team. Then, you know, how long did it take you on that journey to sell the gain site, you know, from when you started to when you sold? Yeah, there's a little long history there, but it was, you know, roughly 18 18- 24 months in, I think. From wow, that's really fast, man. That's, <laughs> that's really fast. I, I haven't, I mean, yeah. Wow. Okay. So so let, let's keep going forward. So like with you, like let's talk about RevOps because most people don't know what revenue operations is. And, you know, I don't want to say most people don't know, but it's, it's not as common or mainstream as you would think. Um, I clearly know what it is. I've been embedded in the sales world for a while, uh, just like you. So what, like, how, how would you define it is, is step one. And then step two is like, what's the single biggest problem you see in revenue operations today? Yeah. I mean, look, it's still emerging and a lot of people are confused by what it actually is. And um, I'm going to quote a CFO uh, that I spoke to recently that is actually labeling RevOps uh, BizOps in their org, but it's the stitching together of everything that touches revenue into one organization so that 
everyone's got the same roadmap and the right prioritization and the right analysis of, of what's going on from, you know, from leads to billings, getting that under control in any company um, is, is critical. And so if, you know, if the people giving you lead numbers are giving you one set of numbers and that doesn't match into what's going on in let's say your sales and in your, in your finance, et cetera, it all, it all rolls together. Right. And getting that your leads to billings, not just understood, but also accurate and trusted across the organization is the thing that RevOps should be mostly focused on, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And um, the underlying um, need to do that are two things. One is data and data congruency and data truth and data accuracy uh, across all the different systems. And um, the second thing is it's automation of that information, um, whether it's workflow or um you know, uh, data transformations or whatever they may be. Um, and then there's a third one. The last piece would be visualization of that data being, being easier and more complete across the organization. So, so all of those things are, I think, are what RevOps is trying to get done. There's some confusion as to how much do I let my RevOps person control certain things? Um, and can they go have all those people reporting into one head that does this? But you know, I, I don't know if you know Rosalind St. Elena, but uh, Neo4j has yeah, just no, recently, yeah, yeah. She, they just recently went down this road and uh, their president there had the foresight to say like, no, 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 I'm going to fix this and hired Rosalind as a vice president of RevOps that and is molding in all those areas that we talked about um, into her under her organization. So I, you know, it's still early days to see if this works, but, you know, obviously what I hear from her is that you know, predict one of the biggest things that, that hampers growth and in, in, in companies is predictability in their growth. Do you mm-hmm. know the gazintas and gazadas of your growth engine? <laughs> if, you, if you don't, then, and they're not accurate, then you don't know how to feed that engine what you need in order to get to the next side, right? To the next, next stage. And, and that predictability can only happen through accuracy and shared truth. And that shared truth does not mean single source of truth. It just means when I look in my system, I see the same truth that you see in your system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that ability to distribute a 360 view of your customer or your customer data or your whatever it happens to be is the thing that we, we, we bring to the table um, for people. So, so Nick, what, what's the nirvana that like once clients use your solution where they're like, oh, my God, this is amazing because blank, blank, blank. What, what is that? Like, what's that? that euphoric experience they have. Cause yeah. I, I could imagine, but I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that. Or There's many of them. You can go to our website and see customer stories on, on, on what it is for different people. The Nirvana for something like this comes primarily because look, I mean, we had, we, we came from a world where we had a bunch of integrated systems, you know, Oracle financials, et cetera, and so forth. And we distributed that out into their individual silos, you know, CRM, market automation, mm-hmm. support, et cetera. But now they're operating independently. And every one of those vendors thinks they're the source of truth for their data, which they are. The point is, how do you get all these different source of truths to create a full source of truth across these systems and make it accurate? Because, you know, you can integrate systems and with these copy-paste point-to-point integrations, 
And, you know, you have a failure, you're going to have a discrepancy between the two different systems. Whereas with something like a transactional engine like Syncery, you're guaranteed that the data is the same in, in, in multiple endpoints. I mean, we have a patent pending for this multi-directional sync engine that we invented that does this. And um, that ability to have those kinds of aha moments um, is going to vary depending on what is the stack that you have that runs your business. We all make decisions for the right reasons of which CRM, which market automation system, which uh, support system, which success system, which financial mm-hmm. system we're going to use. And inherently, by doing that selection, each one of those selections has a different set of problems that you are going to run into. So how do you solve lead routing between HubSpot and Salesforce, let's say, or how do you solve lead routing between Fresh Sales and um, you know, Marketo or whatever you happen to be in your stack, those aha moments are going to be different depending on the stack that you're employing. The point is, is that getting to foundational, accurate, consistent, and truthful data across your organization is the foundation for everyone. Oh, so you, you'd, uh, I would have been your perfect customer. So when I was VP of enterprise, we were in a massive growth. <clears throat> we grew organically and then we were growing through um, private equity and acquisitions. And one of the things that was the single most frustrating point across dozens of people was how none of the data lined up. Yeah. Like, I mean, you That's could true. talk billing, you could talk ticketing, yeah. you could talk um, just CRM reporting, like nothing lined up. And it sucks. Yeah. Oh, it sucks so bad. Cause like, you're like, well, what, what what's what's the answer? Well, we don't have that answer, you know. Or, and I'm like, this is like these are core numbers that we we need to know. Like, mm-hmm. well, we don't have that data, and and then you'd have to like, like you're saying, copy and paste like Excel spreadsheet spreadsheet here, pivot table this, do all this, and it was like, it was like a science experiment every time you wanted to get the data you needed to make yeah. intelligent decisions about your business. Yeah, and that was the, one business unit, Nick. One so, of the ways people describe synchrony sometimes is like if you were to take a giant Excel spreadsheet and you were to put it on top of all your financial, all your systems data and be able to make that work in real time. That's exactly what Syncry is. Right. And, um, and so, you know, people can do aggregations, uh, meaning like, Hey, I want to, I want to have a field in my account object called value of customer by summing all the closed one opportunities for that particular account and storing it as a, as a value that metric alone creating that and then being able to share that across all the organizations or all the other systems is is the kinds of things that Syncry enables that hasn't been easy to do before. I mean, if you think about what state of the art is, it's like, okay, I'm going to ETL all this data over to this data warehouse. Great. Got it there. I'm going to do all this crazy massage of this data. So now this data doesn't match what was in my systems to begin with. And now I'm going to run some reverse ETL operation and try and get that data back out of this data warehouse, back into the systems, and hopefully it gets there, and then hopefully it gets to all of them the same way. I mean, this is the current state of the art that we're trying to disrupt with the product that we're building. Love that, man. So much value in that. Um, So, like, as we kind of go forward, where do you see the future of tech going over the next few years? Yeah, this is a great question. I I talked to a, a a few CEOs about this, and I, I try to spend time trying to figure this out myself. But what I see clearly is IT, quote-unquote IT, is been reducing in responsibility, size, and budget 
a lot, a lot <laughs> over the last few years. And what that means is it's opened up this opportunity for no-code enablement of business users that are becoming super smart. I mean, what we've done is taken all the analysts that used to be in IT and put them into the business units. And now these analysts go like, yeah, I don't, I'm not a you know huge coder, but I really know what I want to do with my process or, or, or data, et cetera, my transformations. You know, I want to do these summations, aggregations, whatever I want to do. I know what those are, but I want that to exist everywhere. And so we're, I'm seeing that no code could become very prevalent um, in the, in the, in the next three to five years where you're, you're, if you're still a coded platform, you might be appealing to an engineering team that's embedding something in, in their own product, but to operate the business, it's probably not going to be very compelling for those users. If that makes sense. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. So I, I love the perspective of that. Cause that's, that's definitely unique that, so so you can envision, so like, how, how do you envision that affecting SaaS companies then? Yeah, I mean, RevOps is emerging because business users are trying to get something complex done across from leads to billings. That's what's going on. And so how do you enable those types of folks to be in control of their destiny and understand how that all works and being able to keep it documented so if anybody comes in and out of the organization, they can see something and know this is how our processes work. This is the thing that that uh, we're going after right now. Excellent, love that man. All right, well, we're gonna do. We're just about out of time, so we're gonna go through a quick fast fire. So I'm gonna fire five quick or four quick questions at you. Super easy. What's your favorite book in the last two years? Oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's right. Believe it or not, I'm reading uh, this right here right now, which is uh, it's from a person um, um, that. I met recently, but it's called Gap Selling. And I don't oh, know yeah. if you read yeah. this book. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. And if you're, you know, if you're a tech CEO and you're not really, you know, a huge salesperson, there's some great information in there for everyone to learn about um, value creation in the sales cycle and things like that. Excellent. What's your favorite podcast? Yours. <laughs> Love that. Um, all right. What's your, who's who's a, like your favorite founder or CEO that you follow? Yeah. Uh, follow or used to follow. Uh, I uh, I admire Ooh. Phil Fernandez for what he was able to do at Marketo um, and folks like him um, that um, are insanely tenacious. I mean, you know, Mark is betting off at Salesforce is also someone that's obviously uh, super great. He had a lot of help there at the end, but, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, if I had to answer one, I'd say Phil, because he was, for me, I learned so much from just watching him operate. And what is he doing now? Is he still over I there? Think or? He just sits on boards and, uh, flies in his airplane and lives in the, goes good goes life, from right? house to house and flying um, around, going to board meetings. Yeah. Awesome. Flying around, going to board meetings and visiting his homes whenever he can. <laughs> Hi, Nick. Last but not least, what's your favorite online tool that you use besides Syncery? Online tool? My favorite? Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite? You can't live without, you know, something you use on a I would have to day-to-day. be Gmail at this point. <laughs> that, that that makes sense, man. Well, uh, I got to tell you, though, I'll, I'll change that because I spend more time in Slack now than anything else. So I really I'd have to spend okay. Slack and Gmail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Well, thanks for for the time today, man. It was awesome. So can you let everyone know 
where they could find you, where they could find out more about Syncery, um, and then we'll wrap the show. Visit Syncery.com for information on Syncery. I encourage you to go look at the blog post there because we have a lot of content for RevOps folks that are trying to break into this or trying to understand it. Um, you can see me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Nick Bonfilio um, uh, uh, on LinkedIn, and I'm always available to answer any questions or to help out in any way. Yeah, and I would second that. Like Nick drops some fire on LinkedIn. He'll get he'll get super detailed, um, and then he's also very generous with his time as well. So thanks for being on the show, Nick. It was awesome having you on. Thank Loved you. your perspective, and I will look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. I really appreciate the time. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.